Hello, this is episode 14 of this podcast and this is part two. It is the case of Jeremy Bamber and the murders at White House Farm in Essex. On the day of the 6th of August of 1985, which was a Tuesday, the events of that day had seemed normal when reflected on later. Jeremy Bamber, who did not live at White House Farm, he lived a few miles away in a property owned by his adoptive father Neville and adoptive mother June. He arrived at work as usual that day at about 7.30 in the morning. He had parked his car a Vauxhall Astra in the yard close to the kitchen, which was typical behaviour from him. By nine o'clock that morning, June, Sheila and the twins, Nicholas and Daniel, were all up and ready for the day. Sheila and her sons were staying at White House Farm with Neville and June for a week's holiday. By this time in the morning, Neville and Jeremy had already met with various farm workers to go through what needed to be done on the farm that day. It would seem like any other day. Sheila Caffell and her sons had been dropped off at the farmhouse the previous Sunday by Colin Caffell, Sheila's ex-husband and Nicholas and Daniel's father. They were to spend time together with their grandparents. Colin only dropped them off. He did not stay. He was due to take the boys on holiday the following week. But as it would turn out, when Colin dropped his ex-wife and his sons off at White House Farm, it would be the last time that he would see any of them alive again. On the morning of the 6th of August 1985, Neville Bamber and his son Jeremy went about their business as usual. Jeremy was using the tractor that day so he was out in the field. Neville spoke on the phone to a few people regarding farm business. Later on that day, June and Sheila along with the twins all went for a walk in the local area. Sheila at some point also took Nicholas and Daniel to see their uncle Jeremy out working in the field. Also during that day, June took Sheila and the twins into town to buy some clothes. The person running the shop that day and saw them went on to say later that June Bamber appeared normal and the boys were happily discussing some jeans each wanted to wear on the farm. But the shop worker stated that Sheila Caffell appeared a little vague and more distant than the rest of the group. In contrast, June stopped by at a local lady's house, someone who had known June Bamber for many years. She later stated that everyone, including Sheila, appeared happy. It just goes to show you that you cannot always just go on one person's recollection or their opinion. We all often see things very differently to each other. It does not always mean anything. It also depends on how well you know the person and if Sheila could just have been feeling differently about going shopping to how she was while she was visiting somebody at their house. Either way, either way, so far it seemed like just a normal day. Jeremy Bamber finished on the farm that day at about 8 o'clock in the evening. His parents and his sister were all having supper together in the old kitchen at White House Farm. Nicholas and Daniel had already had theirs and had gone upstairs and had a bath before going to bed at 7.30. Although on a Tuesday evening June Bamber would usually attend Bible class, she did not always attend when she had guests staying with her, so she did not attend Bible class on the 6th of August. When Jeremy entered the farmhouse, he made himself a quick sandwich and ate it while standing in the kitchen. This is according to testimony coming from Jeremy Bamber himself later on. Regarding what was discussed, we only have Jeremy's word for it. He is the only witness still alive by the next day. No one else there at the time could confirm or deny what was said or what happened later. 
he reported that a discussion had taken place mainly between between June Bamba and Sheila Cafell regarding the care of Nicholas and Daniel. June had apparently wanted to get some help for Sheila with looking after the boys when they were in her custody. It was felt, according to Jeremy, that Sheila could not cope on her own, which could be true, but there is no way of knowing for sure. Jeremy stated later that Sheila had not been at all happy with the suggestion that had come from June Bamba. According to Jeremy Bamba, after he had finished his quick supper, he went to get a rifle that was kept in the farmhouse. He said that he had seen some rabbits and was going back out to shoot them. And after that, he was going to go, go home for the night. He took the rifle and some ammunition with him. He did not take the silencer, which is not surprising, but the silencer would prove to be crucial in the case that followed. He went on to say that after he had finished with the rifle that same evening, he did not put it away properly, but instead he left it out propped up against a wall and that it was still loaded. According to Jeremy, after he had finished for the day, he went home for the night to get some sleep before he was due back at the farm the next day. He left the farm at 9.30pm after saying goodnight to everyone and then he went home. A neighbour witnessed him leaving the farm. During the early hours of the morning, which would now be the 7th of August 1985, a call was made to the local police to report an incident with a person who was said to be going berserk with a shotgun. The phone call to the police was made by Jeremy Bamber, who was at home. He claimed that he had just received a phone call, a frantic phone call from his father Neville, who was at Whitehouse Farm, who had told Jeremy that Sheila had gone berserk with the rifle. The first police to arrive at the farmhouse got there at 3.48am. They had passed a driver along the lane close to the farm who was driving very slowly and they had to pass him. They expected to find Jeremy Bamber waiting for them at the farm which is what had been arranged. Jeremy pulled up to the farm shortly after the police and they realised that he was the driver that they had passed earlier on the way to the farm. Due to reports of a shotgun being used the police had to wait for backup and for further instructions. When Jeremy had made the phone call, he had sounded excitable and extremely concerned, as you would expect, but the officers later commented on how relaxed he seemed now. The officers were keen to obtain as much relevant information as possible about what they could expect to be met with once they were able to gain access to the farmhouse itself. They needed a plan of the rooms and entry and exit points. They needed to know how many firearms were kept in the farmhouse and how many people should be there. They also wanted as much information that they could get on the individuals inside, especially Sheila Cafell, because she was the potential shooter. The police had noticed that all was quiet at the farm and that there was only seemed to be one light on in the farmhouse at the time. Jeremy gave the police as much information as he could while they were all waiting for the all clear to enter the house. Jeremy stressed Sheila's mental health issues and also that she did not have a very good relationship with June Bamba. He also told the police that Sheila was still undergoing further treatment for her health and that Neville and June Bamba wanted to get some help for the Butu boys because they did not think that she could cope when she was looking after them. The police that had first arrived were from the local police force and did not have any armed response police so they would need to come from further afield so the police officers and Jeremy had still to wait outside White House Farm to gain entry. 
It would seem from reports later on, and in fact over many years, Jeremy Bamber put on quite a show and the majority of the police that were there that night appeared to believe his version on what had happened. They thought that he was just an innocent relative that had been dragged into this nightmare. His story that he was at home when he had received that frantic phone call from his father telling him about the situation that was supposedly playing out at the family farm had been believable to some. The police officer who took the original phone call from Jeremy tried to contact White House Farm by phone. No mobiles were around in 1985, so there was only the landline number. The officer stated that the line appeared to be either engaged or off the hook. Police officers at the, at the scene asked Jeremy Bamber why his father would have phoned him and not the police due to the seriousness of the situation. Jeremy said it was because Neville Bamber would not want outsiders knowing about problems within the family, so that is why he probably avoided calling them. Jeremy Bamber was also asked why, after he had spoken to Neville, he did not call 999, but instead phoned the local police station. He replied that he did not think it made very much difference either way. At this point, the two police officers and Jeremy were still outside White House Farm and waiting for backup. The police were trying to assess the situation and to try and find the best way to enter the house. There did not appear to be any movement from within their farmhouse or any sounds of gunfire, no screaming or anything that would suggest anything bad had actually happened. It was starting to get light due to it being the summer. They continued to observe the house, but without making their presence known to those inside. While this was going on, the arms and response unit was on their way after having been briefed first. They arrived at the farm at 4.58am. They arrived in two cars. They quickly got as much information about the ongoing situation as they could. They noticed it was quiet, but did notice a dog barking from inside the house, which is in turn seemed to be setting off a dog barking in one of the outbuildings. Jeremy explained to the officers the layout of the building and told them about the shotgun and ammunition that he had left out just hours earlier. The police would later comment that usually when they come across a worried bystander, especially a family member, they have to try and calm them down, but Jeremy seemed calm enough already. A dog unit also attended the scene that night. Once the armed police checked the outbuildings and looked at all the possible points of entry and had got as much information as they possibly could. They tried to make contact with Sheila Caffell with a loudspeaker. The house by this time was covered by every possible vantage point. They attempted to make contact for the next couple of hours but to no avail. The only sound coming from inside the house was the family dog who was understandably upset by what was happening. At some point, Jeremy Bamber was taken to a local phone box to call his girlfriend, Julie Mugford, to explain what, what was going on. She would later be taken to Jeremy's house to wait for him so that they could meet up and she could support him afterwards. The police, despite arriving before four o'clock in the early hours of the morning, did not actually enter the farmhouse until after 7.30 in the morning. Most of the police officers knew that they were going to find five bodies and it would seem, judging by what followed, that they had already assumed it was indeed four murders and one suicide with Sheila 
Kafal being the murderer. They moved slowly through the house and located all of the five people that were the known to be there. They were all dead and they had all been shot. There had been some signs of a struggle with some parts of the house being more affected than others. The bodies of all five people within the home were found in various places and rooms within White House Farm. Neville Bamber was discovered in the kitchen. June Bamber was discovered in her bedroom, as was Sheila Caffell. Nicholas and Daniel Caffell were found in their bedroom, still in bed. The boys were still in their beds when the police officers found them. Altogether, 25 shots had been fired from the shotgun and most of the shots had been at close range from the ship for the shootings at White House Farm. Because the police that had been on duty when the call came through and had then gone to meet Jeremy Bamber at the farm had spent such a long time with him outside before anyone had even entered the building, it meant that Jeremy had plenty of opportunities to put his side of what he thought had happened across. They were really a captive audience at this time. Once the armed response officers had cleared the house, more people were permitted to go in and because they considered the case to be murder-suicide, potential evidence would be under threat. Apart from one police officer, it seemed as though they took Jeremy's word for it that Sheila had gone berserk and killed everyone and then she had gone on to shoot herself. The one officer who was actually a detective, sergeant, that raised concerns was not taken seriously at all when he spoke out about Jeremy's behaviour. Jeremy's extended family of aunts, uncles and cousins who were all devastated by what had taken place wanted to support Jeremy Bamber and believed at the time he was innocent. Although they believed the official outcome they still later said that some of them found it hard to believe that Sheila had killed everyone including herself and especially her two young sons who were only six years old at the time. Colin Caffell, although he supported Jeremy, did not really believe that his ex-wife would kill her parents or sons. He struggled to believe the official story. He had a lot to deal with, having just lost his two young sons in such a tragic way. The national media, not surprisingly, had an absolute field day with the events that had happened at White House Farm. They referred to Sheila at times as Bambi, which had been a nickname given to Sheila by some of her friends. The pictures that they used were of Sheila during her modelling days. They painted Jeremy as an innocent, grieving relative, which, of course, to begin with, he was, but that opinion would eventually change. A Dr Craig was called to White House Farm after the officers had established that it was safe to do so. He noted that Neville seemed to have put up a struggle due to the state in the kitchen, with items out of place all knocked over, but he had died in the kitchen. June had a gunshot wound to the head and other shots to her body, and she was in her bedroom, along with Sheila Caffell, who at first only seemed to have one gunshot wound. The two children, Nicholas and Daniel, had both been shot while asleep in their beds. Dr Craig could not give an, an exact time of death due to the uncertainty of when exactly this crime had actually happened, but he did agree that it looked like murder and suicide, and that Sheila Caffell had been the murderer. When Jeremy Bamber was informed that everyone was dead, he cried in front of the police officers outside. Dr Cray gave his findings to Chief Superintendent Harris. Police Constable Saxby 
who had been with Jeremy from the start tried to comfort him. The police officer who was in charge of the investigation was a Detective Chief Inspector Thomas Jones, known as Taff. He was thought of by his colleagues as hard-working and very strong-minded. He was not overly popular in the Essex Police Force because he was known to be quite fiery at times and he did not take any nonsense from people. Incredibly, a ballistic expert was not called out nor was a pathologist to White House Farm that night or that morning. The police officer that had misgivings about how the events at White House Farm had come about was Detective Sergeant Stan Jones. He said later that he was immediately suspicious of Jeremy Bamber as soon as he met him that morning. DS Stan Jones arrived at the crime scene after the bodies had already been discovered and was to play a key role in the events that would later take place with this case. He felt that Jeremy had in fact killed his family and then went on to try and frame his mentally ill sister. The police officer also had doubts about how well the scene had been preserved due to the fact that he noticed when he arrived a lot of people coming and going. When Jeremy Bamber was taken back to his home by the police later on, he wanted to they wanted to question him further about what had occurred. D.S. Jones and another officer noted that he made himself something to eat and offered them some something as well, but they both declined. They could not believe that he had wanted to eat something at this time after just finding out that five members of his family had all been killed. D.S. Jones felt that Jeremy was displaying some odd behaviour and he almost seemed coldly detached from what had actually happened. At the post-mortem... Neville's body had shown signs of bruising. Sheila's body had suffered two gunshot wounds, not just one that was immediately thought, but two. One wound to Sheila Cavell's body, which was thought to have been the first shot, was to the right side of her throat, but was only really considered to be a flesh wound. The wound that was considered to be the second shot was just under her chin and had gone through to her brain, causing her death. The concerns that some of the officers did have were the fact that Sheila had long nails that had not been damaged at all despite her supposedly killing four people and firing off 25 shots. Also, she was barefoot on discovery and her feet were clean. They did not. They did wonder how she was able to overpower Neville as well because he was well built and he was over six feet tall and Sheila Caffell was a very slight built woman but all in all the majority seemed to buy the original theory that Jeremy Bamber had put forward. Just like in a lot of these cases doubts do creep in sometimes as especially as people start to reflect on what's been said and and everything else but Jeremy's aunt and uncle, his aunt Anne and his uncle David, who had been very close to all of the family members, did think that the phone call to Jeremy from Neville did not make sense. They thought that he would have concentrated on going after Sheila using anything, any way he could to get his hands on the gun and to overpower her rather than phone Jeremy. Doubt started to creep in, but nothing really took hold for quite some time. Jeremy's behaviour at the funeral of his family members raised concerns by some people as well. 
It looked to some that he was putting on a bit of a show and that his grief was not real, but it was all for the cameras. Julie Mugford supported Jeremy during the dark days since the bodies were discovered and the day of the funeral, the first funeral and the second funeral. Detective Sergeant Jones spoke to his superior, who was Detective Chief Inspector Taft Jones, about his concerns regarding Jeremy Bamber, but he would later say that his superior had said basically that the case was solved and that that was it. But like most situations in life, you cannot keep a lid on things for forever and gradually the truth comes out. Julie Mugford came forward to the police to say that Jeremy had in fact killed all five members of his family and that he had been planning it for a while beforehand. Also, his cousins searched White House Farm again and discovered a silencer that had not been taken into evidence but appeared to have blood on it. The silencer had been put back in the cupboard and it looked as though that had happened after the shootings. The family passed the silencer on to the police who then sent it off to be analysed. When the police became aware of the silencer and the doubts expressed by some family members as to what had actually happened at White House Farm, they gradually came to the conclusion that in fact Jeremy could be guilty of the murders after all, but it would still take time. Jeremy decided to end his relationship with Julie Mugford, saying that he wanted his freedom. He had actually started seeing somebody else, a lady called Virginia. Julie knew this. Brett, one of Jeremy Bamber's close friends, was around a lot at this time as well. Jeremy and Brett were spending a lot of time together. Jeremy was also spending a lot of money at this time and even enjoyed a holiday abroad. All of this was only within one month after all of the five members of his immediate family were killed. When Julie finally realised that Jeremy was not getting back with her and had already moved on, she decided to speak to some of her friends about who was really responsible for the tragedy that had just taken place only one month earlier. Her friends urged her to contact the police, which she eventually did. Once the blood group from the sample taken off the silencer came back, as being the same as Sheila Cavell's, it seemed unlikely that Sheila had in fact been the killer. It was thought that uh, Sheila would not have been able to remove the silencer from the gun after shooting herself, even though the first shot did appear to be just a flesh wound, let alone put it away in a cupboard afterwards. Also, why would she need to do that? And also the forensic experts worked out that the silencer, when attached to the murder weapon, would have been nearly impossible for Sheila to have to use the gun because it was too long, the reach was too long for her. Jeremy was arrested and the case against him continued to grow from there. Julie Mugford's statement that she gave to the police suggested that for quite some time Jeremy Bamber had talked about getting rid of his family. He stayed, started talking about it with Julie at the beginning of that year in 1985 and would go on to mention it frequently, according to Julie's statement anyway. Julie also told the police how Jeremy had said he would go about carrying out the murders if he was to do it. At first, she claimed he had talked about drugging his mother and father 
ancestor and his two nephews and then setting fire to the house. He then talked about killing them with a shotgun from the farm. He had said that when they had all gone to bed, he would cycle from his home. He had a bike that he kept at his home. He would use the back rows so as to not be seen. He would then climb through a window in the kitchen that did not close properly. The police discovered that there was actually one window that you could gain access through due to the catch being broken. Jeremy went on to say that he would shoot all of the people that he needed to so to ensure that all of the inheritance more or less would go to him. He then told Julie that he would use the phone to place the phone to place a call to his home number and then leave the phone off the hook at the farm with the last call when the last call was traced it would hopefully add weight to his idea that Neville had indeed called called him and he wanted to use his um, sister Sheila as a scapegoat other people spoke out about his behavior after the murders and often crass comments that he apparently made about the victims especially June and Sheila Colin Caffell the father of the twins said that Neville and June's and Sheila's funeral. The twins had a separate funeral. Shortly afterwards, Jeremy had changed from looking tearful when the media was taking pictures to laughing afterwards when they they were away from the cameras. Jeremy Bamber was arrested and he did go to, to trial. He was actually found guilty of all five murders. His trial ended in October of 1986 and the jury recorded a guilty verdict by a 10 to 2 majority verdict. He was sentenced by the judge to life imprisonment and he was eventually given a whole life tariff by a Home Secretary, which means he will never be released from prison. He has repeatedly denied carrying out the murders and has appealed his conviction many times over. All of his appeals have ended in failure. He is currently serving his life sentence in Wakefield Prison in Yorkshire, England. He does have some supporters who regularly come out to plead his innocence, but nothing of any substance, really. Although Julie Mugford came forward to say that she knew what had happened at White House Farm on that fateful night, she only did so because she had been dumped by Jeremy Bamber and he had started to see another woman. She had supported him at the funerals and did nothing when he had allegedly phoned her to say he had committed all of the murders. Even though he did not use those words, she knew, as she later said, that he had just told her when he phoned her that evening that he had actually killed them. He'd followed, he'd gone through with his plan to kill all five members of his family. Yet she did nothing. It was only when she became angry with him and resentful that she actually did the right thing. And it took over a month to do so. It was outlined in court that uh, Jeremy Bamber did actually go home at 9.30. He was witness leaving and that the Bambers were still alive at that point because Neville had received a phone call from his secretary Barbara who said that he did seem a little bit short with her as though he had something on his mind and that it was unusual for Neville Bamber to be like that with her or with anybody because he was very even-tempered but she must have caught him at a 
a bad time. It was after half past nine at night. He could have been tired. It could have been anything. And uh, everything seemed okay. You know, there was no sign. Apart from that, there was no sign of anything that had gone on, you know, to, to show what was actually going to, to be discovered in the morning. So Jeremy must have gone home. And then between then and three o'clock, he must have, like he said, he was going to cycle, cycle the back ways, which wouldn't have taken very long. He was a young man, he'd cycled before, it wasn't very far, it was only three and a half miles there and back. He knew he, he could get in through the kitchen, he may have had a key anyway, but he knew he could get in through the kitchen window, which was the, the one with the dodgy latch, and he was agile enough, he was young, he could get through, and he, he'd already left the shotgun out, loaded, so everything was ready, nobody would have been expecting it, and if it, as long as he overpowered his father first, got rid of him, got him out of the way, and moved on to everybody else. He was home and dry. And all he had to do then was to make the phone call, leave the phone dangling off the hook for the dramatic effect and, you know, to go with the story that Neville Bamber had actually contacted him to say that his sister Sheila had gone berserk when, in fact, Jeremy Bamber had gone back a few hours after he left broken back in to the farm and killed everybody, cycled home again and then phoned his girlfriend to basically say, in not so many words, what he'd done and then to make the phone call to the local police, not 999, but to the local police to say that he'd received that phone call. And then he pootled along the, the lane afterwards. The police had actually over, had to overtake him they didn't realise it was him at the time because he was driving so slowly that they had to overtake him. So he was hardly in any great rush, although you could say it's because if you were going towards danger, you wouldn't exactly necessarily be rushing. But it was probably so that the police could get there before him to set up his alibi, really. It would transpire later also that um, Julie Mugford had sold her story to the newspapers, an exclusive to the News of the World newspaper, for reportedly £250,000, which in 1985 or 1986 would have been a huge amount of money. It would be a huge amount of money now, but then, ah. Oh. And she went on to to marry and, and then she moved to Canada and she became a teacher. In my opinion, she should have been held responsible in some way for what, what happened. She could have done something to prevent it. She could have at least spoken about it. She knew that he was planning it. She knew that he was resentful and she knew that he didn't like working on the farm or the long hours and that she he wanted the money. But she kept quiet and let everyone think that Sheila Cafal, who was actually a victim, had killed everyone, including her own twin six-year-old sons and they used her mental illness as an excuse and I just think it's unforgivable really and I think something should have happened to her not just so that she can get money off the newspapers and then go and live her life and to become a teacher it's amazing I know that Judy she, she came good in the end and she testified in court which obviously helped to put him away but she she knew all about it and she 
she knew what he was capable of, but yet she was only driven to do something about it when she was dumped for somebody else. Some of the cousins of Jeremy Bamber inherited the majority of the estate after he was convicted. There were a few other payments out to various other people that um, Neville and June had laid out in their, their wills. In my opinion, Jeremy Bamber had become fixated with the thought of all that money and that it would one day be his, but he didn't actually want to wait for it. But not only that, he didn't want any of the others to have any of it. He didn't want to share it. He did not want to spend years working hard on the farm for a wage. He wanted to live the high life and spend money on holidays, fast cars and women. At least he will never see the light of day or receive a single penny of the money now. The detective who was adamant Jeremy was guilty right from the beginning suspected that he was anyway when really supported the family in their efforts to get justice and he should be commended. But I think at the time he was treated quite badly by the police force, certainly by his superior. But um, at least in the end, he was proven right. Gonning Cafell, who originally did not want his dead sons laid to rest with their mother Sheila due to the belief at that time that she was the one who had committed the crimes and she was responsible for their deaths. Boys had separate funerals to the others. He did acknowledge, however, later that Sheila was innocent, and not only that, but that she was a victim herself. He allowed Sheila's ashes to be laid to rest in the grave of her sons, Nicholas and Daniel Cavell. It's a very sad case, but at least in the end, the right person was put behind bars for the rest of his life. And that concludes this episode, episode 14. And the credits go to a great book that was written by Carol Ann Lee. And it's called The Murders at White House Farm. And also credits to Wikipedia and The Guardian newspaper. Thank you very much. (laughs) 